Hey everybody, just real quick before the show started, uh, this is Steve, and I just wanted to let you know, for all the latest information on our podcast, hit us up on Twitter at EILF Movies, that's everything I learned from movies. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you're looking for incredible art, or maybe gifts for an upcoming uh, birthday, or Father's Day, Mother's Day, anything like that, Christmas, uh, you can check out Izzy's art at untidyvenus.etsy.com. You can also find us on all the uh, podcatchers like Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, whatever they're calling it these days, Podcast Addict. Uh, basically, Google us, you'll find us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right, on with the show. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one last plot holes a gratuitous movies. It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen Casino Royale is too much for one James Bond. Join the Casino Royale fun movement. Mr. Bond, I'm Lieutenant Mathis of the Special Police. Peter Sellers is James Bond. These are my credentials. They appear to be in order. Ursula Andress is James Bond. David Niven is James Bond. Woody Allen is James Bond. My, my doctor says I can't have bullets enter my body at any time. What if I said I was pregnant? Joanna Pettit is James Bond. Not a lot of warming here, don't you think? Cool it, Charlie. Casino Royale is too much for one James Bond. Orson Welles is the heaviest heavy of smirch. Dahlia Lavi is James Bond. I'm the new secret weapon. Casino Royale is too much for one James Bond. Next, Terence Cooper is James Bond. Barbara Boucher is James Bond. Casino Royale is indestructibly wild. Hello, Taylor. Indescribably funny. Oh, you like that sort of thing, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Steve. And I'm Izzy. And this is Everything, Everything I Learned from movies. movies. And tonight. Oh, tonight. Uh, we have a very special bonus episode for the 007th month. Ooh, is this, are we going to watch the movie where Daniel Craig gets his balls whapped? <laughs> Not quite, but we are watching Casino Royale 1967. Uh, wait, isn't everybody all upset because there's going to be a Lady James Bond? More on that later. <laughs> but we are not alone. Oh, shit. We are joined once again by Jason and Hanai. Welcome. Welcome. 
Hello. Hey. I'm not wearing pants. Woo! Hey, neither are we. <laughs> on on brand, on theme. <laughs> okay, you got the memo. And I said I couldn't mention that I wasn't wearing pants, so I'm not wearing pants. And I did you not know that this is a pantless podcast? I know now. <laughs> Whip them off, because <laughs> Bucky and Wellington, our cats, are here, and they're not wearing any pants. Mr. Either. Pickles is here too, and he doesn't wear pants. Yay! Yay. Good All right, mm, babe, I'm a little thirsty. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh wait, <laughs> we have from Park City Brewery Ooh. an Imperial Pilsner. Nice. 7.7 alcohol by volume. Yeah. Part of their Peak series. Gonna <laughs> pop my top. Oh, my top. Nice. All right. And the pour. Yeah. Oh, that is crystal clear. Yeah, that is a very clear beer. It's a beautiful, um, like, straw color. It's got a off-white foamy head, lots of tiny bubbles. Mmm, smells super malty and a little bit uh, alcoholy. Ooh, more than a little bit. Yeah, it tastes... Uh, <laughs> Can you taste that 7%? It tastes pretty strong. But yeah, it's got that nice smooth like Pilsner kind of finish to it, but it's like a little bit of hooch. <laughs> yeah, it is. Jason, Hanai, are you guys drinking anything good tonight? Uh, no. <laughs> We're just hanging right. out. <laughs> kind of from getting too close to the mic. If you hear any purring, that's uh, not me. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> no, our guests or uh, our listeners have told us their favorite parts are when the pets participate. So, Aww. well, Bucky is right now trying to get, it, and he's playing with the notes, Excellent. so it's perfect. We have many notes. It was a very important film to really um, diagram properly. Oh, so we have. Many we took notes. a lot of notes, and then I lost mine, and so then I was like. I can kind of piece it together from what I remember, right? And then, like, throughout the day, it was like, oh, yeah, pheasant missiles. Got to make sure that's in there somewhere. Um, oh, yeah, then, like, Frankenstein's in there for a minute. Uh, cowboys show up. Uh, I, I just want to make an important point here. I'm going to get the name wrong. I don't remember his name. But the actor who played oh, Frankenstein yes. in this film went on David, to play Darth Vader. Yep, in David, Star Prowse. Jones? David Prowse. David really? No, the guy that was actually in the outfit. Yeah, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones put on a few pounds. They had to find somebody else on short notice. Lies! <laughs> James Earl Jones only did Darth Vader's voice. What was the name of the person who played uh, Darth David Vader Prowse. the person? Yeah, and he's Frankenstein in this, creating an interesting bit of cinematic connection here between the universes, which I'm going to continue to explore as we get Excellent. further into well, this you, podcast. You were the one that suggested this movie. Um, any particular reason? Well, as a expert in <laughs> spy fiction, um, as you know, I'm the publisher of Top Secret New World Order, the spy <laughs> RPG. Um, and I feel it's important for people to really understand the full history of James Bond um, and to get the full, because oh, this is canon. Absolutely. This film is canon. I want to make it clear. Um, <laughs> and, and so I, what I think is really important about this film is that most people don't realize that there have been, to date, not counting in India, just in, in English, just in uh, British films, there have been a total of fourteen James's Bond yeah. um, to date, and half of them were in this film. <laughs> yeah, 
and 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 when Lashana Lynch becomes the new 007, she will be the fifth woman ever to play 007. So I think anybody who's upset about her as 007 needs to realize there is loads of precedent. There have been four women before oh, her who have played actually, 007. Cool it really point. is. Yeah. I mean, when we were, when we were watching this movie for the first time, I had I had only heard of this, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's not James Bond. It's bullshit." Blah blah blah. And it's like, you know, it's a parody, but at the same time, it's it's, it's from what? what I understand. <laughs> it, it, it says on IMDb, it's a parody. I'm pretty sure this <laughs> is <laughs> canon. Word word book, Steve. Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> I I have to say, I've got my red string all across the wall, making the connections between things. And as far as I can see, this is absolutely yeah. canon stuff here. This is this is how you get to really understand. Right, Excellent. Well, I'm going to throw out a spoiler alert for Bond 25 because I'm sure it's going to tie it all back together with uh, with Lashana Lynch or whatever <laughs> being part of. You know, I, I I think they were setting up a lot yeah, knowing yeah, this, this is day would far come. ahead of its time. Like 50 years ahead of its time. Exactly. So this is, I'm just going to throw this point out there. Uh, when everybody, a couple of years ago, there were a bunch of people saying, oh man, Idris Elba should be, uh, should be the next Bond. And the producers and the directors and everybody right. all said, Idris Elba will never be Bond. Ever. They said that very clearly. So I want to know, what in the fuck did Idris Elba say to get piss all them off? Because... <laughs> I think he said you should make Lashana Lynch like, That's Bond, a great idea. You can said. never be Bond now. <laughs> he said, I'm going to be Black Superman on Hobbs and Shaw. Watch me. Yeah! <laughs> I'm oh, really God, looking too. forward to that film. So I know. And we haven't even watched any of the Fast and Furious movies. I've never <laughs> been Fast or Furious. And yet, oh, you guys. You guys have some date nights. you got to sit yeah, down. you got to watch the whole back catalog. you got to understand the journey that this family's been through. Or better yet, start with number five, because that's when The Rock shows up and saves the series. But then you're not going to understand the amnesia. But don't be at the beginning... I'm pretty sure that at the beginning of Hobbs and Shaw, it starts out at the beginning with Bob Newhart waking up from a dream. <laughs> Might as well appear. They just keep piling on like these yeah. like huge actors I really, for no reason. I want that to be so that I can follow Fast and Furious. I want the beginning of the next movie to be Bob Newhart revealing that he's been <laughs> dreaming Fast and Furious all along and Hobbs and Shaw are actually um, Larry, Daryl, and Daryl. Oh, he walks around the corner, Bobby Ewing's taking a shower, like, hey, what's wrong, Bobby? (laughs) Beautiful. So Casino Royale, yes. So Casino Royale. Uh, From 1967, six directors credited in this movie. Who are they, Steve? Uh, A couple of the writers, John Huston actually shows up, you know, the uh, the lawmaker, lawgiver from Planet of the Apes. Uh, that's that's how we know him um and even the stunt coordinator richard talmage credited as a director yeah i think it's really impressive that they managed to let that many people make different <laughs> films and you know there were yeah, really, yeah, really good putting Especially all into since one there were 11 writers credited for this movie as well oh my god i'm not I, sure there were I, I feel like it's like a like an <laughs> snl crew like everybody had like their bits and like all right cool we'll, we'll, we'll fix it in if it's a seven or above we'll put it in <laughs> I'm absolutely convinced that um, Peter O'Toole just sort of wandered drunk onto the set at one point, which is why he's <laughs> yeah, not credited yet is okay, in the film. The, there, the, there is the one guy that looks like Humphrey Bogart. Is that Humphrey Bogart? <laughs> Peter O'Toole is about two thirds of the way in the film. There's sort of a strange, um, I think uh, it's during the hallucination torture, which is a very important, you know, serious bit. And uh, Peter Sellers 
runs into Peter O'Toole, who asks him who he is. And Peter Sellers replies, <laughs> I'm Peter O'Toole. Right. And Peter O'Toole says, well, you're a fine, <laughs> wonderful human being. Probably well, the best. That's not jumped so far. We should yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. start with that. Yeah, we should just. Yeah, just David Nivens in the movie, Peter Sam. Sellers, Ursa Anders, you, you heard the commercial. Orson Welles, Woody Allen, Jacqueline Bassett, uh, yeah. Deborah Kerr. And the trailer was wrong. The, Woody well, he, Allen does not. He goes play by Jimmy James Bond, but let's you know, make Jimmy is. He plays for James. James. Yeah. Nephew. It's nephew. his nephew. Bond. And, and, and his although. Nephew. nephew. He's not even good. Yeah. <laughs> Although the original James Bond on screen, Barry Nelson, in 1957, did go by Jimmy several times during the film, that's not the same as Woody Allen being Jimmy Bond. And so I don't accept So him this in the, in isn't canon is what you're saying. Oh my God. Or, or the trailer isn't, I guess. Well, Woody Allen, the, the film is canon, the trailer is wrong. <laughs> Woody Allen can use this as a pickup line at the elementary school all he wants, no. but he was never right. James Bond. Well, all right. So the movie starts off with music by Burt Bacharach. Perfectly yeah. sets the stage, I think, for Beautiful. this zany mess that we're about to oh, jump Jesus. into. And yeah. is, is that the film where they're we're fighting sure. for our lives? Is that him? That is a good song. Yeah. And, and the I look think of love pops in a little later. I mean, it's... <laughs> and this is where it's yeah, from, that, right? That blew my mind. It's like, really? This is the movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the whole time watching this movie, I'm thinking, is this Austin Powers? Did I did I stumble upon a movie as Austin Powers 30 years earlier? Right? <laughs> but Austin of course, Powers, of course, was a spoof, Austin Powers this one canon. is very serious. <laughs> right. right. So uh, so we start off, and uh, four gentlemen from the various organizations around the world, there's like uh, someone with the CIA, MI6, uh, the KGB, and whatever the French people are. Uh, th- uh, they they Disney meet up real. with the real James Bond, who is retired and played by Devin Niven. And uh, they're at his palatial estate out in the English countryside. What do we what, what do we see on the way to his palatial estate, Steve? What do we see? The lions? Oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah, so they're like driving out. And also, there's just lions along the driveway. And they're like, oh, don't worry. They rarely eat people. Oh, <laughs> David Niven, I think, you know, really represents, as Sir James Bond, he really represents the British Empire in its last waning days with everything yes. that goes along with that, including the He lines. might as well have been wearing a crown. <laughs> it would have been amazing. Yes. But, uh, but, but basically the four gentlemen he are like, James, is. we need you to come back in. Uh, agents all over the world are dropping like flies. Uh, we need your expertise because you're the best. And uh, James is basically like, well, why don't you ask that uh, horned up pissant that's been uh, using my name and number for the past couple of years, leaving leaving a trail of whores in his wake. And uh, they're basically like, well, you know, it's just a number and a name. It, exactly. it could be to anybody, but but you're you're the real expert. And uh, he says, no, thanks. I'm good being retired. So then they mortar attack him immediately. Well, M, let's 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 examine the poetic justice here. M orders the mortar attack to convince him that he's got nothing left. And in the process, M M does that poetic justice. And I'd like to say something about some of the people that are there to convince James. Um, As you mentioned, it's a real United Nations of uh, spy masters that are there. You've got uh, Smirnov from the KGB, you know, Legrand from Deuxième Bureau, all of these folks. 
But the most interesting one to me was from the CIA. Some of them don't get names in this, but you'll notice that the CIA representative, they call him Ransom. Uh-huh. And I took a look into this, and it turns out he's inspired by a real-life spy. Really? Yeah, although he worked for MI5, his name was Arthur Ransom. and Very interesting spy, and this will become important later in the film, because the real-life Arthur Ransom, who was a spy for MI5, also a children's author in real life. But as a spy, he married yeah. Leon Trotsky's secretary okay. in real life. Um and uh, his his series of books that Arthur Ransom wrote, uh, which were called Harry Potter series, um, <laughs> uh, very close. He had he had a character um, in one of his nice. uh, named Titty Walker, yeah. Abel Seaman. Oh no! <laughs> who was also the star of Titty Mouse and Tatty Mouse? Oh no! This is this is Arthur Ransom, the children's author who married Trotsky's secretary. Um, and just interestingly, since Smirsh is the bad guys here, Smirsh are the agency that we believe killed Trotsky. So you can see already the wheels are turning. They are not messing around. They're giving you some real hardcore, real spy Damn. stuff if you just dig deep enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're digging too deep. Well, I mean, don't dig too deep. I dug deep enough those, to find uh, Titty Walker. Mysterious single car accidents where you're in the trunk or whatever. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Once you find the able seaman Titty Walker... <laughs> <laughs> I can say that on a G-rated children's All right, show. So Titty Walker's no. Emma's blown up. Um, and then, of course, James Bond has to go to console his his widow and family. But she is Lady uh, being impersonated by oh an gosh. agent named Mimi for with Smirch. I mean, this is the first time we really see Jimmy Bond's army of clones in action, but we don't know yet. That's the Wait. kind of brilliant filmmaking and foreshadowing that's going Wait, on. Are you talking it's about so the 11 daughters ages, was it 16 it. to 19 or whatever it was? Yeah, I think there, there's like, the 11 daughters like, ages 16 <laughs> to 17, because obviously Woody Allen was a part of the film too. And so they're and so they're using okay, so one of them these, these women to uh, be discredit uh, his celibate image of James Bond. Exactly, and and I think right here we see the brilliance in setting this as canon because now we understand why Sean Connery and uh, Roger Moore and all these others have been such terrible womanizers. It was because they recognized the danger in having a celibate image. It sets you up for blackmail. They don't That's right. want George to Laserbeam do has this. to drill these girls. Yeah. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but of course, James Bond is just too much for the ladies, but alas, Mimi is falling for him anyway. Don't know why exactly. but As you do when a 57-year-old I mean, Knight with a mustache damn, starts right. running around in his stretchy socks. But uh, but but the 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 eleven daughters <laughs> they're they're not having it, and uh, so they lock Mimi up, and then they take J- James Bond out. I don't know what pheasant hunting. Yep. But of course, they're in a Volkswagen bus loaded with pheasant missiles. Yep. Yep. Because drones. Another example of the brilliance of this film. They're- Technology that other James Bond films yeah. wouldn't get for years. Yeah, I'm trying to James Bond with drones. Decades ahead. Maybe... <laughs> this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm probably not till Daniel Craig, till they got back on track. I don't know. I feel like Pierce Brosnan might have Brosnan had, one. Ones had like, a lot of weird tech. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but of course, yeah. James Bond is too damn good and starts blowing up the missiles with his, uh, I don't know, Flynn action rifle or whatever the hell he's using. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, all he needs is for her to take off his braces <laughs> so that he can have this kind of out of character moment of humor when his, his pants uh, suspenders. And... Yep. Yeah, so Bond escapes, gets back to London, uh, finds out more MI6 agents are being killed due to their um, promiscuity, we'll say. Um, <laughs> and so he has the brilliant idea, you know what? Everybody's going to be James Bond. Everybody's Agent 007. It'll be confusing to them. Would it be confusing to us? Yeah, maybe, but, you know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're good that way. And uh, now we have to uh, develop these James Bond agents to be basically pure and celibate and not to be wooed by sexual desires. Well, this is, of course, because we now have Sir James Bond as head of MI6. He's had to step into M's shoes because of, you know, the whole blowing up his house thing. (laughs) So it makes sense that with his celibate pure image that James Bond really secretly has that he would want to do Indeed. And so he puts a uh, money penny in charge of tra- training, the, the cadets and seeing <laughs> if they can find ones that are, that are able to mit- make this rigorous training. And then we meet Coop. Coop. <laughs> the most desirable man possible. Yeah, pretty much. Which you can only find out by having the secretary make out with all the other agents. <laughs> yeah, that training was very interesting. <laughs> well, she's a very desirable lady. It's a well-known tactic. I think everybody's worked at a company where you need to test the desirability <laughs> of the sales agents, for example, and you just get the secretary to make out with all of them. Didn't they like name it too? The a- anti-female spy device or something. AF. SD was something like that. Yeah, they I did. They did. Yeah. And of course, it doesn't actually make yeah. a good acronym. Yeah, it doesn't spell out anything good. It couldn't just spell out something like I don't. I don't know. I didn't come up with any. But it couldn't just spell out something like chastity belt. No, it has to spell out Aston <laughs> acronym. <laughs> Should just yeah. been like vag <laughs> block <Yeah>. box. Yeah. <laughs> but so this is the first. We're finally getting to understand that there's some sort of thing for James Bond to go against because, you know, you got to fight something. Apparently, he's fighting the fact that these agents are dropping like flies. We have not yet found out about the secret machinations behind the scenes of why this is all happening. That's it's true. I also want to point out during Coop's training, he threw around four or five girls. I just want to throw that out there. Oh yeah, like <laughs> judo and like like all those girls down who try to make oh, it. Oh, yeah. with puns. Well, yeah. That's also part of the training. Also, it was like, oh yeah. Yes, the racist puns were weird. <laughs> yeah, because I think there was like a quote-unquote Chinese girl who was clearly white. What? Well, but she had slight. <laughs> she like judo threw her down, and he was like sayonara. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, 1967, am I right? <laughs> I Mad like, Men high five. Clink. I did like a little clip at the end I when uh, they asked where he was going when he was leaving the room and he said to get his head examined. <laughs> <laughs> I think it says something about James Bond that this was less racist and sexist than the no. real stuff. I'm okay, sorry. No, this is dare you just hurt. You <laughs> only live twice. I have to say, as somebody who just recently watched all of them, the James Bonds nice. get a bad rap. They're they actually have a ton of strong. They have more strong women in them than they do like women who get taken advantage of. Honestly, a lot of the chicks kick James Bond's ass on kind of a regular basis, <laughs> so like constantly throughout. That's good. Yeah. yeah so right. I think. Uh, 
Yeah, I think they did a better job than the books. I was flipping through You Only Live Twice at the bookstore the other day because I don't, you know, as somebody who really loves spy fiction, of course, I don't own any Ian Fleming. (laughs) 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 Um, And I decided to flip just to the part where, you know, in the film where he puts on shoe polish to become Japanese in, you know, you only live twice. And if you read the book, it is so much worse. <laughs> is it the face off surgery? Cause that's what I was expecting. No, they describe it as putting on some walnut color. Um, but just for some reason, he seems to treat all the geishas as prostitutes and has this extended, I'm not going there. Let's just say that, Somehow, the film that Woody Allen was involved in was less sexist. Yeah. Nice. Well, <laughs> well we're also introduced this time by uh, to uh, Vespar Lind, played by Ursula Anders of uh, Dr. No fame. Yeah. Ursula Anders is perfect for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, didn't, I have to admit that I hadn't really realized who she was until I watched Train Spotting back in the day. Right. But, you know, because he's so obsessed with Ursula Andress. Uh, oh, okay sick boy is but she's great in this yeah and she plays a a former mi6 agent who i guess went to the private sector and became a millionaire uh but she's being pulled back in by sir james bond uh because they need to recruit uh this back rat expert evelyn tremble played by peter sellers excellent name wow. you know everybody should have names that kind of reflect their personality <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense um and of course it's where uh she she basically seduces him and convinces him, hey, you should join MI6 uh, while the look of love is playing in the background. And there's a shit ton of like aquariums and, you know. Oh, we're not going to pass. We're not going to skip over her amazing sofa that descends. Right. In yeah. No, we are not going to skip that because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get this in this house. <laughs> <laughs> they were already underground. Yeah, well, you know. Go like three stories deep with it. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's a really, it's a, it's a confusing scene. I'll admit there's occasionally a little bit of confusion <laughs> in this because I wasn't sure why she was going after him because they don't really explain what he's an expert in until about halfway through the scene. And they mentioned the back around. Oh yeah. I mentioned he's like written books on it and all that kind of stuff, but. I'm not sure he had to be seduced to do that, but then they go into the scene where now that she's, apparently finished seducing him. Right. And she's like, just one more thing. I need you to dress up in lots of costumes. Yeah. What was that about? (laughs) She was taking pictures of him. So I assumed the scene, like when he dressed up as Hitler, she was going to use that uh, against him (laughs) later. Blackmail. Yeah. Oh, and I think they just sort of forgot that that was in the film because they never come back to it. Yeah. Like, well, you know, we have one of our guys dressed up as everybody from Napoleon to Hitler to, I think it was, um, who was the painter that I thought it was? Picasso? Oh, Lautrec? Lautrec, Toulouse-Lautrec. I think he was Toulouse-Lautrec at one point. The short guy. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I'm not sure how that's blackmail. No, no, like insurance. Like, I guess in case he bailed, like, she was going to blackmail him with, like, Hitler pictures or something. And Toulouse-Lautrec pictures. Because if there's one way to embarrass somebody in public, it's to show them as (laughs) Toulouse-Lautrec. The truth. I think is like I read that like Peter Sellers refused to come back for like reshoots or something, so they just had to like fill, <laughs> fill empty space with like s- like random skits that he did or something. You guys are stealing all my fun facts. <laughs> we haven't even been, we haven't been even introduced. Why do they need a baccarat expert? Because they <laughs> because there's the great Le Chiffre, 
who has embezzled <laughs> a bunch of money from the organization Schmerch, and he needs to repay it. Otherwise, he's going to get killed. And so, Which is, again, straight from the book. Yes, yes. And it makes sense because if the CIA's inspiration had actually been married to Trotsky's secretary in real life, then Le Chiffre is going to get hit by the organization that murdered Trotsky. I can see it, well, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. Well, there, there is one loose end they need to tie up. James Bond <laughs> has an estranged daughter, Martha Bond. Oh, of course. And now here's where the timelines get really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Who's her mom? Mata Hari. Mata Hari. Now, I'll, I'll, I, I know at some point we're going to get to Mata Hari's room, so I won't get too much into that part. I want to talk about the year when we get there. But I just want to point out that Sir James Bond, played by David Niven, who's 57, right. apparently had retired 20 years earlier. So he retired at the age of 37. That's right. And somehow had managed to father a child with Mata Hari, who died in 1917, when he was seven. Right. Nice. But the daughter is only 19. Well, she looks 19, but she's clearly 57. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, this could have been another Mata Hari. There's more than one of them, right? Oh, right. Maddie Hari. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Maddie Hari. Good old Maddie Hari. I remember him from the high school basketball team. (laughs) But, uh... So, so yes. Oh, God, we just remembered your daughter. Let's introduce that fact for some reason. Yep. So he goes to meet her. Because now he's going to be needed. Goes to meet her, bring her back to MI6 and be like, hey, you want to be an agent? Oh, sure. That'd be great. Yay. All right, cool. Your first mission is to go to West Berlin and infiltrate a, I don't know, au pair mother's facility help. or something. Mother's Help. International Mother's Help. Or International Mother's Help. There Thank you. you. But, but wait, because... Sir James Bond, which I'll use to distinguish him from the other James's Bond or 007, mentions that her mother was a great dancer but a terrible spy. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, but that she is a terrible dancer, presumably a good spy. So how would he know this? I'm sure they have like letter correspondence or he does with like one of the what, what, one of the heads of the house. I, I don't know. Okay, that's fair. I'll accept that. Loophole filled. Loophole <laughs> filled. All right. Uh, but yeah, so she's got to infiltrate this facility because there's going to be an art auction with a bunch of like blackmail photos of world leaders that uh, Smirch is, or Le Chiffre is uh, selling to raise funds so he can pay back Smirch before they, you know, punch his ticket, I guess they would say in Rockford Files. He's diversified. <laughs> bunch of He's got he's got a good plan. He's diversified between Baccarat and selling blackmail material because why actually just yeah. use it? Right. <laughs> Keeps your hands clean, am I right? Uh, but uh, but Martha gets in there. She uh, destroys all the photos, and so now the chief has to fall back on his day job of playing Baccarat and and doing magic tricks. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting to that part where we find out who the chief is. Yeah. And it's played by Orson Welles. Oh, shit. Who is also apparently a magician. Yeah. And does incredible tricks. Fucking <laughs> like, amazing. I'm not going to lie. 
him doing the magic tricks there like oh my god it's amazing that was probably the best part of the movie for me that was yeah like with the fireworks started going off and stuff i'm like okay we can just <laughs> like pulling the, next the flags time. up and just <laughs> staring directly at james the whole time while doing it and everything's going around him i'm like all right that's legitimately funny <laughs> and apparently that was orson welles's idea like, that sounds he said like he it. refused to do that scene unless it included <laughs> magic tricks. Well, then, oh, by all means, Mr. Wells. That's awesome. Which just shows that Orson Wells was the best director on the shoot. <laughs> I don't think he was even a director, though. Well, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't credited, but yeah, obviously he was directing this scene. But yeah, so, so they get to the Baccarat thing, I don't know, competition. They're at the Casino Royale, roll credits. And they uh, <laughs> trembles there, and he's introduced to uh, Miss Goodthighs. Yeah, yeah, yes. And yeah. Uh, she drugs him, but uh, Vespar came, comes in and like saves him. You know, like I don't even remember how he how she like did it. Like just kind of found him, and I don't know, hydrated him or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah, just like <laughs> his face. Well, but there's another important bit of uh, cinematic crossover here that I don't want us to miss since we mentioned the flags that were being pulled out for the magic tricks. If we remember the cab driver who drove from London to <laughs> Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so who's also an MI6 agent apparently, but not a bond. Right. Uh, Bernard Cribbins. Right. He plays him. And if you'll notice he's wearing the, uh, British flag on his hat or his back or something like that to kind of go with the ones in, in the flags as a call out to the Italian uh-huh. job where they were all wearing their British flags and as a call out to his own other thriller, uh, long arm, the long arm. So Bernard Cribbins is making connections here between the Italian job and the long arm. And I'm pretty sure between that and the Wombles somehow, but I haven't <laughs> that in yet. But I think it's very important that Bernard Cribbins is in the middle of all of this. There's like too many people. <laughs> and if you're a Doctor Who fan, of course, you know, he's he's also on Doctor Who. So he makes some sort well, of connection. He is English, with so obviously he's been on Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just too many actors in this movie. The connections are everywhere. Way, Jason, I have to ask, do you know how to play Baccarat? That okay. is, no, I don't. I, and it's driving me crazy because I don't know who won or lost the yep, game. They I just dare say nobody cards. really knows how to play Baccarat. I feel like it's, oh my God. I don't know. I feel like it's like one of the, I'm trying to remember the uh, uh, space movie where it was like, they were like pulling cards and they had like different pictures on it and they're like, haha, you lose. And it's like, did they? I don't fucking know. Star Wars? Yeah, probably Star Wars or Star well, Trek or one of those, but yeah. No, we legitimately looked up the rules to like, Steve is a numbers guy and he couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I think they kind of had the opposite situation here that say crazy rich Asians did. So in crazy rich Asians, they show people playing Mahjong and it's so expertly filmed and written that you don't need to have the rules explained to you to uh. know what's going on. This is very much the <laughs> Please, opposite. We need of that. to know the rules. <laughs> we have no idea what's going on. When they kept flipping to look at the, like their, their hand, they just look like exactly the same. It was like two and three. Like it kept I have two cards. Well, I, I in fact, have two cards. Yeah, but I have two cards. Ah, do I as well. But they were both always yeah, like three. Like, and then when like the five like popped in there, it was like, oh, shit, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have they no idea difference? what's going on. And I don't think everybody in the 60s just knew what Baccarat was. I think that. I think they were just confused by the fact that Burt Bacharach was doing the music and somebody got mixed their signals yeah, across. Well, 
Long story short, uh, Lashif and Tremble play Baccarat, um, but Tremble wins, so Lashif has no money, so he's in trouble unless he gets the money from Tremble. So he kidnaps Vespar Lind and kidnaps Tremble, and then has to torture him with hallucinations. But oh but the, there's an important little scene between that because he kidnaps Vesper Lind, or should I say James Bond? Right. So he kidnaps James Bond, and then James Bond, following the kidnapped James Bond, doesn't seem to mind too much because he can just get in his race car because he's suddenly become <laughs> Jackie Stewart. He's dressed like Jackie Stewart. He's got a Formula One car ready to go, and he gets in it. And then in the next scene, yeah. he's been he's captured. Like, and. This is the point where we were pretty sure that they had left some stuff on the cutting room floor that they had just edited it, not because we didn't realize that they had actually just never filmed it. That was the other director's job. <laughs> there are enti- there's an entire movie missing in the middle of this movie somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the sequel should just be the missing bits without any explanation between them either. So that's that's the other part where I read that that's another part where Peter Sellers refused to go back for like like extra scenes or something and so they just like flipped in this like gag he did with a race car to like fill that space i love peter sellers god bless him for just completely sabotaging everything about this otherwise fine and perfect film (laughs) all right well in the middle of hallucination torture uh smirch shows up and uh pops lachif and then uh so he's dead and uh vespar and uh What's his name? Evelyn. <laughs> yes, his name's Evelyn. Evelyn. Uh, that was a great line, though. Evelyn, isn't that a woman's name? No, it's my name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back in London, uh, Martha's been kidnapped now by a fucking flying saucer out of nowhere. Oh, Jesus. The most well, inconspicuous, vehicle, inconspicuous vehicle ever. <laughs> it was a broccoli trainer yeah. well that was that was a a, a, a tribute to albert broccoli <laughs> oh the, and his daughter Barbara broccoli. you saw foreshadowing of this by the fact that um james bond played by <laughs> ursula andrus was for some reason possessed lord nelson's column right. and i don't think that was a euphemism <laughs> uh, because the, I believe the flying saucer landed where Nelson's column is supposed to be. Right. Uh, I'm sure at some point there was a reason for all of this. Oh, right, because she's... I mean, she's a double agent. She's a double agent. Uh, and that's how you know. <laughs> that actually pops up a little later, but yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, Martha's been kidnapped, and now James and Money Penny have to go back to the Casino Royale, because beneath it is the headquarters of the evil Dr. Noah. If only they had known that his headquarters were right there all along. Right, they were so close, they could almost smell it. I, it's amazing that he thought to put his headquarters there, that he knew in advance that that's where he should build this billion-dollar facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It must have taken him years, and yet he knew. Yep, he, he's yeah. a brilliant man, that Dr. Noah. Yeah. So yeah, they go down into the headquarters. And they find out the and true identity of this do- mysterious Dr. Noah. Is he tall, dark, and handsome? Nope. Is <laughs> he a woman? Nope. Is he a robot? Probably not. I got it. In another what? film? The whole time. Yes. Mr. Begglesworth, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it's his nephew, Jimmy Bond, played by Woody Allen. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> who, I, I, who for some reason has an issue that makes it impossible for him to speak in his uncle's presence. Yeah. Right. Uh, that was awkward. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like sexual think, inadequacy. I think Woody Allen was trying to go for a moment of slapstick silent movie humor with that. Right. Because Geraldine Chaplin, Char- Charlie Chaplin's daughter, is in this film. She is? And he was trying to impress her, I think. Interesting. That's weird. Well, there's that there's that little scene of Keystone Cops for some reason in the middle of the film, which again I think they just needed to fill some space. Yeah. Right. But they didn't use an original Keystone Cops; they actually remade it, and Ger- and Charlie Chaplin's daughter is in that scene. That's so weird. Huh. She's just there. Kind of weird. Because why weird. not? Weird ass movie. Uh, well, well, we find out uh, Doctor Noah slash Jimmy Bond's plan and why he's doing all this stuff. It's biological warfare. And what is this biological warfare going to do to the world? What is it going to do? Now, this is the brilliant bit. <laughs> it's going to make how he managed to engineer this. <laughs> Years <laughs> of research. <laughs> it's going to make all the women beautiful and kill all the men over four foot six. No! Oh, no! <laughs> so I, let's, be dead, dead, let's dead. take a minute to think about the pure scientific implications of this. We'll start with the easy one. How is it going to know who's taller than four foot six? Oh, Jason, that's the easy part. <laughs> it is the easy part. And, and, and I just am wondering if someone is, say, a double amputee. And so he had been six foot two, but without his legs is now, say, four foot five. <laughs> would he survive this Absolutely. attack? Okay. It was important for me to know. <laughs> it's about biological um, height. <laughs> and if... It, it, if someone is, let's say, hasn't gone through puberty yet and is four foot five, but later will become six foot tall, will they survive? Well, what I'm assuming is the uh, the chemicals will still be in the air. So as soon as they pass that four foot six barrier, done. Well, see, I think, uh, I think so, what you guys are missing is I think it's probably going to hover in the air about just at like five, at like four foot seven. So really, it'll probably. Oh, <laughs> See, this is why women are scientists and men just sit here with our thumbs Yeah, up that's why ears. you guys are good <laughs> and pregnant in the kitchen and we're out making all the money. <laughs> okay, that makes total sense now. So basically all you have to do to survive this is to either get amputated or crawl around. Duck and cover and just crawl on the ground like like, like you're in a, in a smoky house. Do you remember Stop, Drop, and, and Roll? There you go. So, but now for the other side of things, in order to make all women beautiful with this biological warfare agent, first of all, I think he could just maybe – Sell that Jason, and make that's, money? That's just easy because all women are beautiful, especially those that listen to our podcast, Everything I Learned from Movies, and subscribe at EILF Movies. <laughs> right? Smooth. Smooth. Yeah. All right. uh, but among the other inventions that uh, Jimmy Bond has made is apparently a pill that has... Okay, you eat the pill and then there's 400 little mini explosions that then turn you into an atomic bomb. Right. Well, there's a specific number. It was a weird number too, like 427 or something. I'm actually going to look it up. Yeah, 400 Each one is the beginning of a nuclear explosion. And when the final one goes off, you yourself become a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Right. Which sounds like a cool song from the New York Dolls or Iggy and the Stooges, but it's not. <laughs> Do you guys remember what this pill looks like, smells like, and tastes like? 
It's like a seltzer or Alka Seltzer or something, right? No, no he needs it's to get some Alka Seltzer to try. So like apparently that's the that's the way you stop an atom bomb yeah. is with Alka Seltzer. Yeah. But what does it actually smell like or taste like? Oh right. <laughs> they said it a whole bunch of times. So I, I can't find the number of atom bombs, but he starts counting down. Yeah. I mean, he makes it very clear. You know, Woody Allen doesn't want to leave oh, yeah. you hanging. And, here. and, and Woody Allen is given it by one of the James Bond lady secret agents. Um, I think she was called the the detainer or the entertainer, something like that. Yeah, I think that one, that's Dahlia yeah, Lobby. Yeah. You know, she's very slick about it. She really has her trade craft down. Right. She basically goes, look over there and hugs him <laughs> and drops it in his drink. And just says, "Ha ha! You drank an atom bomb." Right, she gave it up right. so quick. <laughs> like, you know, you might want to run away first before. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to just be like, "Aha! Now you're an atom bomb." Yeah, and I'm like, hey, you need you. to go over here now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so they all escape while uh, Woody Allen's like hiccuping and counting down. Uh, mm-hmm. This is about the time that a uh, uh, Vespar Lind is exposed as a double agent, and then they get to the casino floor. Wait. No, I think I might have missed the double agent moment. I think they just I said it. I mean, like I read about it. <laughs> like it was like, obviously yeah. it was Vespar because dot, dot, dot. We're like, hey, I'm <laughs> That's good. I mean, this is getting kind of good. It's, like, it's basically the same thing as when you're eight or nine years old and you're playing Let's Pretend and you get to a certain point and you say, oh, and also I'm a double agent. <laughs> and I have laser breath. And I'm a gun. <laughs> I, I'm a double agent and also you're a nuclear oh, bomb. And I got like uh, stab proof armor. And like, oh my god! <laughs> but, but but before we get all the way to the end, I want I want to just stop for one second back at the International Mother's Help Agency, which is really one of the most amazing trippy parts of the film. Right. I mean, if you weren't on drugs for the rest of the time you were watching this film, this is when you want to drop <laughs> the acid. Right I think about at here. some point in my notes, I wrote. Um, Casino Royale, executive produced by drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But they, 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 for some reason, decide that Mata Hari's left her apartment un- in there, the, the apartment that she lived in until she died in 1970, and they've left it untouched for 50 years, as right. you can tell by the cobwebs. And that's where all of a sudden I, we just had to start doing the math. And we're like, wait a minute. It's been 50 years since her mother died in this room, since the 19-year-old girl's mother died in this yeah. room. Look, it's obviously Manahari left an egg. It took about 28 years to hatch. <laughs> but was the egg shorter than four foot six? <laughs> Irrelevant. The biological warfare hadn't been released. Oh, uh, true. Good point. <laughs> All right, so back at the end of the movie, they get to the casino floor, and then just this big bar fight <laughs> bust out. Oh you got the French, the French agent showing up. You got the oh. British. You got and the Russians. You agent? got cowboys. <laughs> and who's the French agent? Jean Paul Belmondo from from Breathless, from Abu de Soufflé. Like, oh, who? One of the greatest French actors of all time. I mean, they got the heavyweights for this thing, and they gave him a line. The French are here. <laughs> yeah, then there's also like chimps. Uh, there's the seals that show up. The seals. Oh, by the way, the seals are also numbered 007. Oh, yeah. They had like a little. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was a dog with a collar that's 007. Right. 
Native all, Americans. That's right. Native Americans show up and fuck Steve, shit up. Were you, was your, your culture offended? Uh, I love when the Americans. Couldn't blame anybody with a tan. Not one person with a tan. I, I, I think that that was one of the best parts when they're like, it's the Americans. And it was just a whole host of cowboys. Well, you see, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the white guy's. Doing Apache thing was uh, something. <laughs> I expect one to be like Paul Lind or whatever, oh, like the villain. Now, Paul Lind not end up in this film. Damn it! God damn that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, Woody Allen shows up. He's counting down three, ooh, two. Oh, ooh, he's our nervous. <laughs> the casino blows up. Everybody dies. Roll <laughs> credits. Wait, not quite yet. You got to show everybody going to heaven. Yeah. We're all angels. Except for one of them. Except Woody Allen's going to hell. Womp womp. (laughs) And just to be clear, this is completely canon because that's why there was only Sean Connery remaining to play 007 after this. Otherwise, there would have continued to be 14 James's Bond <laughs> running around with Sean Connery's in all of his films if it hadn't been for this ending. So very, That's very clever. George Lassenby was still alive. Yeah, I think he was actually in the next uh, James, you know, other canon Bond movie. Came out yeah, well, you know, that all works out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Who's he? <laughs> I think he plays Titty Walker, Abel Seaman. Ah, yes, that was the the follow up. If there was a Titty Walker, Abel Seaman played by George Lazenby, I'd watch that movie. I'd watch it. Uh, but yes, Casino Royale goes out with a nice perky musical number. Pretty I, I really want to know why the other Albert Broccoli films, the other James Bond films, never used the speeding up Benny Hill technique. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe they will bring that back actually, in James Bond 25. Actually, I think about it. I'm pretty sure they did in one of the Roger Moore ones. Oh, God. <laughs> Seriously, though, is there anything worse than people in the 1960s trying to be funny? Uh, yes, the cultural sensitivity. <laughs> I just, I boomers aren't funny, man. <laughs> That's what I thought about this whole movie. It's like it's a parody, but it's like a parody written by people who aren't fun, who aren't funny, like re- trying to write a parody. Right, like there were actual funny. I, I I'm I'm being super unfair because there was loads of actual funny stuff in the '60s, and Peter Sellers was in all of it. <laughs> but this. <isn't- laughs> So, so wait. I mean, the magic. Are, are you saying you wouldn't recommend this movie? I'm saying this is the finest Bond film of all. <laughs> and if anyone ever asked me to recommend a Bond film for them to start with, if they've never seen one, I'd say start here. <laughs> <laughs> right, how about you, Hanai? Do you do you agree with your crazy husband? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> My, I'm looking back at my notes and I have at least 10 lines that say, what is going on? And this movie is expensive for no reason. Oh, and I found my notes. <laughs> Her notes are just a big sm- un- like, sad face. <laughs> How about you, babe? Would you recommend Casino Royale? Yeah. You know what? If you're going to do the whole James Bond like anthology, yeah. I think you have to. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that, actually. I mean... 
you can't be a super fan. Yeah, if you want to see Orson Welles <laughs> do magic tricks, I mean. You know what? It's worth watching it for the Orson Welles scene. You can turn it off after that. And then administer <laughs> hallucination torture and then get popped in the forehead. Yeah. Yeah, this is the movie for that. You know what this version of Casino Royale didn't have? Enough ball torturing. <laughs> so so we watched the 2006 <laughs> one immediately <laughs> after because it was like, oh, yeah, the the story. How, how much does the story differ? And it's like, well, they cut out all the dead weight with the other James Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, and they play blackjack instead of backrack because people know how to play blackjack. Texas Hold'em. And, and I have to say, I, I think that there were some scenes in with the uh, Benny Hill sped up things that were essentially exactly the same as the parkour. Oh, scene yeah. I was going to say, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you, who's the more charismatic James Bond? It's Peter Sellers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think Actually, David Nevin. I feel like he was a really cool James Bond. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I, I would absolutely love it if they had continued to make Peter Sellers James Bond films. So, wait, so is he your favorite James Bond, like of all of them? I think Dahlia Lavi is my favorite James Bond. And from now on, when people ask me this, <laughs> because when I go to game conventions where I'm talking about spy games, they invariably ask me who my favorite James Bond is. Uh-huh. From now on, my answer is either Dahlia Lavi or Two Sea Lions. <laughs> Damn it, he stole mine. <laughs> two Sea Lions at the end of Casino Royale. I'm sorry? <laughs> Fletcher the Sea Lion. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> His name is Bobo and you know he's a bitch. <laughs> it's the band of cowboys. A chimpanzee wearing a wig. <laughs> no, because then they're just going to think you're talking about Roger Moore and his later films. Oh, <laughs> Still more charismatic oh. than uh, Daniel Craig. I just don't. Daniel Craig is not charismatic at all. Oh, Daniel Craig is on. I think he is probably the fourth or fifth best James Bond. He's okay. I mean, the the, the obviously, I'm going to stick with the fact that Sean Connery is actually the best. Um, and then Dahlia Lobby would be second. Um, the two sea lions would be <laughs> yeah, third. Daniel Craig is somewhere between George Lesby and, and two gorilla, seals. And the gorilla with the, the, the Peter is fourth, yeah. and then Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig is definitely better than George Lazenby or Aww, um, I like George uh, Lazenby. Barry Nelson, Timothy Dalton. <gasps> I like Timothy Dalton too. So, well, I mean, Timothy Dalton's just a older Daniel Craig. Well, guys, we're 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 we're, we're basically they're all between like eights and tens, so it's like they're That's all true. great. It's just well, you we know, all know that Pierce Brosnan. Like, oh, what's your favorite one? kind of chocolate? Like, yeah. uh, we all agreed that Pierce Brosnan was the best. Yeah, one. I mean, the number show. Flawless. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that Pierce Brosnan can outdo Ursula Andress as James Bond. <laughs> you know what? I think we should put it to a test. They should both be in a movie competing to be Bond. Whoever's the better Bond gets to keep the job. I think you need to have a survey running on your site or something with all 14 James's Bond. (laughs) (laughs) To the Twitter poll. (laughs) You can only do four. We'll have to do a Twitter poll. A tournament. The tournament of Bond. There could be a bracket. There have been enough James's Bond to have a a bracket. We'll call it (laughs) Smirch Madness. Smirch Madness. If you don't do it, I will. (laughs) Steve. Get on our Twitter. You know what? I actually am going to set that up. 
Okay, so this KSR Games Twitter is going to run this. The the top secret New World Order Twitter account will run Smirsh Madness, and we will point to this podcast. We will retweet it. (laughs) I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break while that's getting set up. And when we come back, we'll have more beer. What? Fun facts. No. And what we learn from Casino Royale. Oh, so we're wrapping up already? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Hi, this is Johnny Sammy McGinley, and you're listening to Everything I Learned from Movies. All the best. Hey, this is Liz. And this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. Talk to you soon. Did you ever go on vacation with your family and hope the dance instructor would fall in love with you? No, but I did think a guy with a giant boombox playing Peter Gabriel outside my window in the middle of the night meant true and undying love. Listen to our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, where we revisit these movies and it turns out they weren't the best ideas. What were we thinking? You can find our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. You can also tweet at us at H-E-A-M-C-A-S-T, Heemcast. Newport Beach, The Pool House, Captain Oates, Chino, Ew, I'm Michelle, I'm Liz, and I'm Ingrid, and we're Let's Let's Talk Talk OC! We're the ladies that brought you Tree Hill Talk, and now we are on the West Coast talking about the early 2000s teen drama, The OC. Join us every Monday as we watch and review each episode. We hope you can join us! Have you ever watched an absolutely terrible movie and thought to yourself, what were they thinking? Because we sure have. So much so that we named our podcast after it. What were they thinking? Starring me, Nathan. And Brendan. Every other week, we take a bad to questionable movie and unpack it. So you don't have to. And then every other other week, we ate your cues with our mailbag. Or, you know, talk about whatever. No big whoop. No, no big whoop at all. So that's what were they thinking. You can catch us on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. Uh, also, a ton of platforms that Brendan made up. And you're listening to everything ever for movies. Just, it's amazing that there is one role that has been played by Peter Lorre, Orson Welles, and Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen. In the, the second latest. Casino Royale, in the in he, the he uh, plays the always the villain like, in the, the remake series. of this film, <laughs> reimagining of this. I like him; he's cool. He always plays like scary villain, like he's mysterious villain. But but what about Rogue One? <laughs> was he in Rogue One? Yeah, he was the dad of uh, Felicity Jones. Was he the dad that was like? Take this and go, and we'll fight to our deaths, or something. Yeah, that was like he's the engineer that uh, the Empire like took, and he like built the Death Star, but he built it with the obvious flaw, the flaw that no one else caught. Good job, Mads Mikkelsen. 
Yeah. Yeah. He great. saved the rebellion. So there's two yeah. connections between Star Wars and, and James Bond. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. What, are you talking about Moonraker? Oh, it's a shared universe. Right, I'm talking about Frankenstein. And we're back. Oh my god, Steve, those are the greatest ads that ever added in the history of adding. They get better every week! Yeah! Yeah! Hmm. After all that talking about seals and monkeys and shit, <laughs> I'm a little parched. Anything to uh, wet my whistle? Nope. Alright, well, fuck you then. No, Moving I do have a beer. I lied. Uh, I'll oh, share. Why would you do that? <laughs> From Wasatch Brewing, we have Snapdown India Pale Ale. It has a dragon oh, on it. India Pale Lager. Sorry, India Pale Lager. Born from the fires of the kettle, the medium-bodied India Pale Lager is a true leviathan of flavor. This monster of refreshment has a hoppy nose and a sleek malt character. And it's anything but tame. Smaug. <laughs> Ooh, it's almost Smaugest. Oh my god. <laughs> Smaugest. Oh, my top. Ooh. Yeah. And the pour. <sighs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is a crystal clear beer. It's got a little bit of a hoppy haze, but it's still super yeah, clear. Um, got a nice, beautiful straw color to it. Ooh. A nice off-white head, lots of tiny bubbles, very effervescent. Ooh, yeah, you can smell the hops on it. Mm-hmm. A little earthy. Little floral, yeah, a little floral, yeah. It's definitely a little, little flowery. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's got a little bit of the green apple as the backbone, a little bit of malt. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's a hoppy lager. Yeah, without being, uh, it doesn't take the enamel off your teeth. That's nice. Yeah, not bad. Oh my gosh, do we have any fun facts? Super fun facts, because fun fun facts. As a matter of fact, we do. What? We've already uh, sprinkled a few throughout this episode, but. Uh, Anybody want to guess what the Rotten Tomato score with the critics was for this movie? I'm going to take a guess. Okay. Now, now I did read Roger Ebert's review right. of this, where he said this is what happens when I think you fire everyone or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I would love to find that quote, but I'm just going to take a guess that the Rotten Tomatoes average review, since Roger Ebert's always an outlier, is probably about... 95 to 98. Oh my god. <laughs> Out of 100? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I feel like nothing is really zero unless it's like... Oh, there are zeros out there. We've done quite a few. It's kind of like a weird, like, it has to have like a certain something. I don't know if this movie is like well known enough to be like that kind of cult zero kind of thing. So <laughs> I'm going to say it the teens. Babe? I think it's going to be like 72. 26%. And I wins. Ba, 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 ba. I, I think you, you flipped it upside down by accident. <laughs> it's supposed to be 95. Oh. <laughs> no, but it's 26. <laughs> but, but it is a robust 35% with the audience. Hmm. Well, 35% of people are right. <laughs> Yeah, see, $12 million budget with a $42 million worldwide gross. Mm, not bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, th- th- this may set Jason off. I'm just reading this from the IMDb facts. Though this isn't a Bond movie. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Let me speak. Though this isn't a Bond movie, Ian Fleming is given writing credit. Back in 1962, Fleming had already decided on David Niven for the role of James Bond in Dr. No. 
However, he was cross when Sean Connery was chosen by the studio and apparently so impressed the way Connery portrayed Bond that he gave the character Scottish ancestry. Wow, there you go. All right. As we know, it is a James Bond film. Um, completely <laughs> canon. Um, but I Why did there's find... so many James Bonds in it? Obviously, it's James Bond. Exactly. I just want to read the quote from Roger Ebert's review. At one time or another, Casino Royale undoubtedly had a shooting schedule, a <laughs> script, and a plot. If any one of the three ever turns up, it might be the making of a good movie. <laughs> Sick bird. So obviously he thought it, I think the quote, the pull quote here would be Roger Ebert quote, good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone involved in this movie should be killed in a gas chamber. The quote is a gas. A gas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now for the good stuff. Peter Sellers and Orson Welles hated each other so much that the filming of the scene where they're, where both of them are face-to-face across a gaming table actually took place in two different days with a double standing in for the other actor. Oh, wow. Who doubled for Orson Welles? <laughs> I'm hoping it was just like one of the like secondary grips. It was reigning Yokozuna Takashi Yoshiro. <laughs> no, I was just joking. <laughs> You may be wondering, why do they hate each other so much? This gets good. The rift between Orson Welles and Peter Sellers was partly caused by the arrival on set of Princess Margaret, sister of Queen Elizabeth II. What? Sellers had known her previously and greeted her in an ostentatious manner to ensure all cast and crew noticed. However, <laughs> the princess walked straight past him and made a big fuss over Welles. Nonplussed, Sellers oh. stormed off the set and refused to film with Welles again. Oh, now why wasn't that in the queen right because <laughs> oh, it was the, the sister the crown the crown no the, if you guys watched the crown no you should definitely princess margaret is amazingly portrayed i mean seriously she'll be one of your favorite characters of all time <laughs> no this is i'm not i'm not being sarcastic or anything here you will just absolutely love princess margaret but that's like that drama that little nugget of story is like so much more interesting than like the entire movie (laughs) film that and like stuck it in if they're sticking in random skits that peter sellers did they should have just filmed that and slapped it onto the movie i would watch two hours of peter sellers and orson welles fighting over princess i would as well at the casino royale can we what's that biopic oh who are we casting in that biopic Oh my gosh! Oh, oh boy! Orson Welles so, played by John Goodman. That's pretty good, actually. Um, and Peter Sellers, I would give that Jim to Perry. Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, he'd make a good Peter Sellers. And Princess Margaret would be two sea lions. <laughs> Princess Margaret plays the role she was born to play. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II could play Princess Margaret. <laughs> yes nice all right uh for the scene in which she was supposed to seduce james bond wearing a nightgown and suggestively cradling a big bottle of champagne in her arms jacqueline Bassett was shocked when peter sellers suddenly turned on her and fired a gun directly into her face when she entered the room wait, what what yeah wait well there's more though the gun only had blanks the stunt left her face coated in burning gunpowder and bleeding from where the shards tore her skin uh, yeah quote oh First, I thought I had been actually shot, and then when I realized it had been a blank, I thought I'd been blinded. My face looked like a shower spout of pinpricks leaking blood. 
The noise scared Bissette so much, she dropped the champagne bottle on her feet. After that, I was panicked. Whenever I had a scene with Peter Sellers to get shot in your first scene with a big star, that is a nightmare. Peter Sellers gives PTSD. Right. To Jacqueline Bissette. So what an idiot. Does he... Why did he shoot her? Blanks are still things. Why did he even have a gun? You know... You know, much like George Clooney, he's a bit of a prankster. I think he's more like Johnny Knoxville with his pranks, though. <laughs> yeah. So he also smashed Adam Kroll's coffee table? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Sellers then punched her in the nuts and started giggling until they cut. Peter Sellers is the same guy that played in, played an Indian person in The Party. Oh One God. year after this, he went completely in brownface for an entire film. Wasn't his so, last movie something about him playing Fu Manchu? He did uh, that too. <laughs> he did a random in Indian accent in the movie. Like, yeah, yeah, where the fuck did that come from? Well, like, he was why, getting is, why is he being the guy from Short Circuit all of a sudden? I think he was basically getting ready for his next film. The, the movie The Party, I don't, I've never seen it. I don't know a lot about it. But a friend of mine who's from Bangladesh said how when they were kids, they actually thought it was one of the funniest things they'd ever seen to see this white guy running around, you know, in brown face doing a bad accent. And it wasn't until he, you know, became an American that he was like, wait a minute, that's really messed up. (laughs) He went on to write Short Circuit, too. Clearly. No. Last fun fact I have. Uh, Apparently, Woody Allen was inspired to direct his own films after experiencing the chaotic production of this film. So we can blame Woody Allen on this movie now, too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen. That part where Money Penny was like, what is this? Oh, no, not Money Penny. Mata Bond. Martha? Oh, the daughter where she's like, hey, you're my type. She's like, if you weren't my dad or something. And I was like, oh, my Ah, God. Gross. I was like, ah, Woody Allen is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> All over this movie. <laughs> uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, what did we learn from Casino Royale? Guess. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody at all? Anybody want to go first? Well, we. I think one of the most important things is we learned why James Bond in the canon is a womanizer. It's so that he never faces the kind of potential blackmail that he faced in Casino Royale. That makes sense. Hanai, anything from you? Uh, don't do drugs. Say <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. Like, yeah, very confusing. How about you, babe? Peter Sellers is a dick. <laughs> I learned that Lashif is also a magician as well as a background expert. That legitimately was my favorite part of this whole fucking movie. And and that this is the first film where flying saucers appear in a James Bond story. That's true. Wait, very important. Hold on, checking from Russia with love. Okay, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> well, Hanai, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you, you mentioned you had a podcast and uh, various websites earlier? Uh, my podcast is called Making Games. Uh, you can find that from tsrgames.com. And uh, we have a spy game. And making games is just about people who make games and how they do it. So if you make games, you can learn how other people do it. And uh, we publish a spy game called Top Secret New World Order. Um, and we will be putting up a Smirsh Madness bracket. Yes. Um, I, found, I, I found some software I can do it with. I'll let you know as soon as it's up. Excellent. We'll be sure to throw that around the, the podcast universe and uh, get some real feedback. Yeah. 
Anai, anything you'd like to promote? Oh, uh, oh, I just started a Etsy shop oh. <laughs> of some knickknacks I've been drawing. Uh, it's called, oh, the shop's name is Kobo Studio, K-O-B-O Studio. And I, right now there's just like pins and art prints of um, Zodiac cats that I drew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Yay. Excellent. Babe, anything you'd like to pin? Oh, well, uh, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, the shop will be reopened. But uh, I do ha- also have an Etsy shop. I am untidyvenus.etsy.com. That's a goddess who's bad at housekeeping.etsy.com. <laughs> and uh, I have all kinds of movie monsters who love kittens and adorable watercolors. There's also a bunch of paracord wonders made by the one and the only Steve. There's uh, There's dog leashes. There's collars. There's bracelets. Yeah, cool stuff. Excellent. And of course, you can find everything I learned from movies at EILF Movies on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, we're brought to you by frankieandmer.com. Are you looking for the finest aromatherapy and essential oils on the market? Look no further than frankieandmer.com. But Steve, it's a real essential oils are always so expensive. Oh, you're in luck. If you use the code UNTIDY, <gasps> you'll save 15% on your purchase and purchases over $35. Free shipping. What? Even I can afford that. Right? Can't (laughs) afford not to. Yeah. And of course, you're helping out the podcast by uh, showing them that, hey, you're a fan. (laughs) Love it. So on that note, until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Izzy. And I'm Jason. And I'm an I. Oh, Oh. Oh, no, no, I'm Jason. (laughs) And this is Everything I Learned from Movies. Good night, everybody. Have a good night. Gal, he's a fabulous guy.